Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're gonna tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Welcome to the 43rd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan, and today we're talking to M.K. Wiles, who starred in Matt's seminal series, Squaresville. She also just raised a substantial amount of money on Kickstarter for her show, Edgar Allan Poe's Dinner Party. And it's really awesome, really interesting, and we're super excited to talk to her. And then later on, we're going to be joined by our friend Ben Caro, who is also in the midst of a Kickstarter for his short film, Cathedrals, that is going to benefit the blind. And he has some really interesting insights, too. So if you ever cared about raising money for your project or finding out kind of what works and what doesn't, I think this is a great episode to listen to. Yeah, this is a great episode if you're thinking about kickstarting or curious about the trials and tribulations and triumphs of kickstarting. Yes. So kick back, relax, and let's start the show. So Mary-Kate Wiles, welcome to Just Shoot It. Hi, thank you. So happy to be here. I've listened to some episodes. What, what's your really? favorite episode? Okay. Oh God, I can't remember. Is it the one where all of them? we talk for a long time? One way, yeah, that's yeah. the one. That's it. Did cool. you really listen to an episode? Oh yeah. Oh really? Not when you, not like because you asked me, but like I knew Matt had a podcast, so I would like check oh, in wow. every so often. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And now that's you're, our listener. You're on the mic. I was yeah. like, if <laughs> only Matt would ask me to be on his podcast. We did it. My life will be complete. Well, well now you're done. All downhill from here. For listeners who don't know my life story or your life story quite as well as we do, <laughs> give us a quick recap of how you found yourself in Oren's uh, living room. Tonight. Sure, sure. So I'm Mary-Kate Wiles. I am an actress. I'm from Arkansas originally. I came to USC and have lived in Los Angeles ever since. Since I graduated, I've been a part of a few projects, including Matt's own Squaresville. I played Zelda, and uh, from there I also did the Lizzie Bennet Diaries and a bunch of other web series. I currently am working on my own series called Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party that I act in and produce, and we kick-started that back in the uh, winter, so I guess we did okay, and Matt thought I should maybe come contribute some thoughts, and here I am. So your Kickstarter, I saw today, you raised $72,000? Mm-hmm, yeah, we did. That's pretty insane. 
Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh, our goal was 55 and we raised 72,000 on Kickstarter. We raised an additional few thousand through Backerkit as well after the fact. And, and what's Backerkit? Backerkit is another service that helps you sort of organize your Kickstarter and like helps you fulfill perks and stuff. And we had known about that through the Tin Can Brothers, who are friends of mine who had run a Kickstarter a few months prior for their show Spies Are Forever, which I was also in. And they were like, use backer kit it's great but the big draw was that people could still contribute after the end of the kickstarter so yeah so we made an extra like three grand on there as well and so they're like hey we'll take a cut but we'll do all of your packaging and labeling yeah, and things like that? Or ish, it- yeah, we're not having them do that for us, but it does help you. You can have them do that. I think you have to pay an extra fee, but it does do a good job of like organizing what each level needs and mm-hmm. like what you promised everybody. And it's, I, I don't even know how to use it to its full extent, but, and, <laughs> but and, it is And helpful. it also is like, hey, you donated for the poster level, but if you want a t-shirt, you could still buy it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so we raised about 75,000 total and thank God, cause we sure needed all of that. <laughs> and it's, it's <laughs> We set feature? our goal a little too low. It's essentially a feature. Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party, which just launched its first episode is a web series. It is 11 episodes that are between seven and 15 minutes a piece. We're going to be putting out one every week until Halloween. Welcome, friend, to Edgar Allan Poe's murder mystery invite-only casual dinner party slash gala for friends potluck. Sorry we're late. When will someone be murdered? Look here, before this night goes on, I have something to say. Fine, then the murder mystery is underway. Please, a grave and sinister act has been committed here this evening. Yeah. Louisa May's dress. (laughs) I mean to fetch an inspector. Good evening. A toast. To ending this horrible night. No, 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 no. This was uh, supposed to be a, 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 Lenore? A good time? A good time! Who do you think we are? Mm -hmm. Altogether, it's about the length of a feature and scale of a feature. (laughs) There's a lot of people and a lot of costumes and... I'm just watching MK deflate. (laughs) Well, it's funny because you want, if you watch her Kickstarter video, they talk about how much money it's going to cost and they come up with some number and they're like, oh wait, this isn't in like 2016 dollars. This is in like, when was Edgar Allan Poe? Uh, Early 1900s? uh, No, 1800s. We decided uh, the show exists outside of place and time because Ernest Hemingway is in it. Yeah. There are a lot of uh, authors that are there that do not make sense. You were like, wouldn't it be fun fun if we just made jokes about each of these different characters? Yes. Basically. Um, But it's like a Bill and Ted's adventure. Yes. Yes, exactly. So and Midnight in Paris, is that? Yes. Are they all in the same time Mm. or do they fudge? Well, they do. I think they must fudge something. They, They fudge things a little bit, but then also remember, the woman who Owen Wilson falls in love with decides to go back in time herself. Right. So they everyone go, thinks yeah. the time before oh, yeah. them is the great time. I forgot about that. <clears throat> but yes, yeah, so we have a bunch of different authors, but it takes place loosely in the mid 1800s. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's a period. I love piece. that time. Yeah. It's pretty fun. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. So you set this goal of 55,000. Yes. <laughs> to essentially make a feature film. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then were you planning on paying in, in the high, actors? Uh-huh. Yep. 
In hindsight, that was not the wisest thing, but it turned out okay because we made a lot more money than that, thankfully. Um, we actually took it to a producer friend of mine. I, When we were planning this, I didn't even like know ballpark where to go, but I had been a part of a few other Kickstarters who had been aiming for that amount of money somewhere around there. And I knew that that was possible and I felt like that was doable with our fan base and like the people we had involved. And so we said to our producer friend, like could we actually make this for 55? And he was like, yeah, um, that was optimistic. But <laughs> thankfully, uh, it all worked out. And even then, what we did shoot, because our budget, you know, because you have to, Kickstarter takes money, you have to allot for your perks. Our budget Amazon was more. Amazon takes money as well. Right. right yeah. Our budget was Wait, closer Amazon takes, to like. Do they own Kickstarter? Uh, the Kickstarter does all of their processing through Amazon payments. Oh. So Amazon takes their cut yeah. in addition. So, so if someone gives you $25, what do you get? It, it takes out altogether like about 10%. Yeah. The Kickstarter fees and like the credit card fees and everything. Yeah, and I, then I think actually people's pledges who don't go through. If you're thinking of Kickstarting, look this up. But I think that that scale changes relative to uh, oh, how much that money may be you true. make. That I may think be true. Uh, on smaller numbers... It's closer to 15, I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because there's you, a minimum you, for you credit cross card a, transactions. Right, exactly. So you cross a th- certain see. threshold. I yeah, see. I think with Squaresville, which raised much less than that. It was like... I think it was closer to 15. How much did Squaresville raise? I want to say 12,000. Oh, I was thinking like 15. Maybe it was 15. That's impressive. Yeah, so, so it kind of brings up a, a point that I wanted to make that's interesting. I think oftentimes with an ambitious, hungry producer of which we were both once upon a time, mm-hmm. there's that thing of like, well, how much money do I think I can make based off of friends, family, and whatever following or fan base you have, right? So the, there's a there's a little bit of like, well, we think we can make 55000 mm-hmm. so let's figure out how to make a show that's $55,000. Exactly, yes. And I think that's a smart way to do it. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a little bit of like, you've been, a, this is your... 80th rodeo now right yeah so i'm sure you had a notion of things you wanted to do differently or things that you really loved about shows that you wanted to kind of inherit from all of those different experiences and all of those come with a price tag Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. are you talking about the production or the kickstarter the production and the kickstarter actually Mm -hmm. yeah because i think the other thing that's really gnarly that i think we probably talked about the cost for fulfilling all of those incentives can be pretty prohibitive yes and you have to have incentives yeah yeah because i don't know i'm gonna just gripe for like 20 (laughs) seconds but my biggest problem with kickstarter (laughs) it's like once i freaking donate my 25 dollars to my friend that's emailed me and posted all over the place and will hate me if i don't then i just start getting all these emails about the project like five Mm. times a day and i'm like God, if I unsubscribe <laughs> to this, will they know? Wow. They will, but also you gave money, so it's fine. Yeah. Right, I don't but then I'm like, too okay, so I'm going to get like a DVD copy of this? Like, I don't need a DVD copy. Mm. I don't know. You can uh, opt out yeah, of you whatever can. price it is. Because yeah. I think, uh, so also, my point was, there's two kind of tiers, right? There's like, hey, friends and family, sure, I'm going to yes. raise like a certain amount of money, yes. whatever that right. is. And, and fans then, is different. I get a fan once. Yes. The stuff once the signed, you know, cover, poster or whatever. And yes. sometimes friends and family wants 
the DVD copy or something. Yeah. But oftentimes they're just like, hey, I've got 50 bucks. It's not a big deal to well, me. Well, the thing is. I don't care. Don't send me a T-shirt. But I mean, the creator is not going to. I mean, maybe they'll be offended, but they'll also be like, yay. That's like however yes. much dollars I don't have to spend on that one person's DVD or T-shirt. Because <laughs> that's right. where we are right now. Because we're fulfilling perks right now. And they're expensive. You're not doing t-shirts though, right? No, because you said don't do t-shirts. <laughs> I mean, don't people do like digital downloads, Snapchat from yeah. your actor on set or like, and, kind and of, I was yeah. going to say, I think that you Easier guys did things. a really great job of most of the things you're fulfilling are flat or digital. Thank right? you. Yes. Um, yeah. It, that's the thing you like want to, you want to do digital stuff because it's so much more cost effective, but then you also don't. People like to have a thing to hold in their hand and yeah. you don't want to like make it look cheap if everything is just digital. So, and again, like this is my first time actually running a Kickstarter. We, we tried to be like good about picking, you know, giving some like physical things and then also making some digital things and pricing things higher if they were going to cost more. We're just sort of in that phase right now of like actually paying for the perks and we're seeing how much it, it, it always costs more than you think it's going to. I think that's probably a good rule of thumb. We're not like in trouble, but it's just like you go to the post office and you get postage for 400 envelopes and it costs $250. And you're just like, especially when you have a lot of international people. And also I imagine that there's a part of you when you're like budgeting things out mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, okay, so I bet that postage is going to cost around $250. I could spend that right now mm-hmm. on the dolly that I want for the day mm-hmm. or, or, you know, a boom up or something mm-hmm. and pay for it later. And mm-hmm. I imagine most producers would probably be like, well, all right, I'll just, mm-hmm. you know, work a night shift or something and make mm-hmm. it up later. Mm-hmm. Is that a situation that you guys found yourselves in? Not exactly. I mean, we did go like somewhat over budget, not terribly by any means. I mean, I feel like anybody's going to go over budget, especially when you're doing sure. the size of production that we were. Are you guys done shooting? Yes. Yeah, 100%. we shot for mm-hmm, we shot for two weeks in May. Okay. But yeah, we're completely done. And is the show all done? It's gone through post? No, we have edited about half of the show. So we're continuing to edit as it comes out. And do you like, you know, I've worked on so many things where like we blow our entire budget on production and then post-production comes and... I'm, we're not the only producers, we being Shipwrecked Comedy, which is who's doing the show. We also brought on American Black Market and... That is run by these two guys, Brent Madison and Ryan Murphy. And they were very, very, very good. I mean, they've produced things like they actually know what they're doing. Like American Horror Story. and uh, (laughs) Yes, exactly. No, a different Ryan Murphy. I bet Um, he loves that joke. (laughs) Ryan M. Murphy, I should say. (laughs) And they were really, really good about like really being hard on us about like in our meetings being like, you guys need to have contingency. Like we need to set aside this amount for posts and we do not need to touch it. And thank God, because otherwise we probably would have been more apt to be like, eh, we'll figure it out. Um, How much does editing cost? Yeah. I can edit it at home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so yes, we have money left over for perks and stuff. We're still sort of, and there's also things that we had to cut on that we would like to be able to like go back and put more money into, but it just kind of depends on like where we're at once we do the perks and that sort of thing. Some people that just like helped us out that we would like to actually pay and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. 
So yeah, but for the time being, we've got a little extra cash and hopefully we don't go completely through it. We did budget for perks, but it's just like budgeting versus like actually doing it. Now I'm finding is like, we did okay, but I'm just like nervous because it always sure. ends up costing more than you think it's going to. Yeah. When, and when you spend $250 on stamps. That's because international stamps are a dollar a piece. Yeah. Yeah. When we did, we had like the store for the hammer, the, this movie I did mm. and we had posters because it seems they were so cheap to make. But it's like you're saying, Matt, like, how the hell do you mail a poster? Yeah. You got to buy a cardboard tube. Posters yeah. are the worst. And yeah. they're like 40 inches we long. We do have a lot of posters. And yeah. they're inefficient to package as well. With Squaresville, I ended up folding them. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. it's called Squaresville. <laughs> yeah. Getting a square of a poster. Yeah. yeah. So who directed your show? His name is William Joseph Stribling. We call him Joe. Sometimes he goes by William. I don't know. Joe Stribling, Never he's great. Strib or no one Stribling. with one name involved <laughs> in this project. No, everyone has multiple <laughs> names. He is an NYU grad, and he's someone that Sinead, one of the writers, went to school with there. And I, I had not met him until we sat down with him to talk about the show, and he was a perfect fit, and he's excellent. We're He's also editing the show, and we're very, very lucky to have him. So let's talk a little bit about that, right? Because yeah. you... Um, you know, you've been on all different sizes of sets from the very smallest to like huge yeah. TV shows and movies and all that stuff. Yeah. What were you looking for as an actor turned producer when you were hiring a director? Sure. I mean, that's a great question. And this whole experience, I mean, I'm not, this is my first experience as a producer is what I'm trying to say. I produced a short film last year for myself, but that's like a short film that cost like, uh, maybe a couple thousand versus essentially a feature that, you know, costs many, many thousands uh, is very different. And also we should just, just to clarify, we all know the number when we kickstart, but like there's decades worth of favors that you're pulling yes. and resources that you're pulling. The, yes. the show did not actually cost yes. yeah. 75K or whatever it yes. is you raised. It costs Yes. Like you a, got a lot a of free, of yes, free locations, free extras, yeah, free people, exactly. free cameras. Lots free of gear. lots of kindness and lots of favors yeah. and um favors I mean, you paid for already and you had a down payment yes. on or that you're gonna be paying off for. Yes, exactly. You know. That's not to say that like we didn't pay people, but people weren't working for right. a lot. Yeah. That said, I think we made it look pretty damn good. I thought your Kickstarter video looked pretty damn good. Thank you. We Even did. though you acknowledge in the video that it, <laughs> it could look better i thought it looked pretty thanks we did invest in the video which is a thing i guess which is kind of off topic but we felt like it was worth and that was out of our own pockets like we paid a dp and you know paid somebody to help us with props and stuff because you want it to look good and you want it to be a reflection of what you're going to put out and if it doesn't look good then that doesn't speak well for your project hey guys it's Lenore, the Lady Ghost. And I am Edgar Allan Poe, spinner of tales fantastic, mysteries and delights. You may remember us from our popular web series, A Telltale Vlog. And the Oscar-winning film, The Raven. That didn't win any Oscars. Also, you weren't in it. Yes, I, yes, I was. That's me on the cover. No, that's John Cusack. Well, they didn't have to know that. We're here with some sad news. As you may know, we were planning on having a murder mystery dinner party and inviting history's finest authors. Unfortunately, Mr. Sunshine over here can't get his act together. I just... I sent Annabelle 73 ravens. Do you think she even got them? Totally. I think 
it was money well spent. I mean, I Thanks. think when you watch, I mean, we think so too. Your Kickstarter, you get an, um, the impression that these people are funny and they know what they're doing, sure. and they're cinematic, and, and a sense of the show Thanks. too. Yes, right? exactly, yeah. and that's yeah, you're pitching the show exactly. I think I don't know. Again, I'm not like an expert or anything, but I think maybe that's one of the best things you can do is make your video sort of just an example of what you want it to be, mm-hmm. what you want the real thing to be, as opposed to, please give us money. I bet there's been so many shows where people did exactly that and people saw their video and they're like, hmm, I don't think I want to see that. <laughs> you know, like, don't you think? Maybe. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll be real. I think my big pet peeve with, I have a ton of pet peeves, with Kickstarter, <laughs> even though I love it. I hate when you are seeing watching a Kickstarter for finishing funds. Mm. Even though as a filmmaker, I know how we just talked about how expensive post is and yeah, how yes. labor intensive it is. Yes. But there's a part of me that's like, well, you shot it. You cut this, this Kickstarter video. Like you'll get there guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah. it is, it is not fair. That mm-hmm. is a stupid thing to say, but there's a part of me that, but feels do you like, think, look, I think your case is different because you do have a fan base and like leveraging yeah that makes sense but i think there's like all of us that have been kind of making videos for a long time like 10 years ago before kickstarter we just like raised like found the money we worked we saved money we did like i don't know i think saying it's i think you're allowed to say that asking people to give money to their project can can be annoying like like what you're saying yeah you are these, you are allowed to like films be mad about it funds. for sure mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway but it, like i think you're part of what you do for a living is you're on camera and you're entertaining and you interact with fans that hopefully somehow pay for the content that you're in yeah what we do i feel like is a little different mm-hmm. and we don't i mean i personally don't really have like fans outside of my friends and family you probably do I mean, maybe like some projects that I've worked on, people liked. And so if they, oh, who directed that? Maybe we'll hire sure. that person again. But I guess, I guess I'm just saying like, I could, I could just save up a bunch of money and, and make a scene, you know, like shoot the, the opening of a feature and then take it to like a production company. And mm-hmm. I don't know, there's, there's like Kickstarter kind of removes the business from yeah. the the content and like. To me, there's something nice about the business being tied into the content because you shouldn't make stuff if there's sure. no need for it to be made. Mm. All right. So so I, I totally hear where you're coming from. I mean, from. this I is like very much playing devil's advocate. I think obviously you should make stuff. Our whole show is it, about making stuff. Make stuff, figure out how to But make it's it. not about like begging people to, you know, to help you make. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. I th- so what you're saying, I'm, though, I'm is lost. that your point is that uh, sometimes art shouldn't be made if there isn't a true audience for it that doesn't uh, you wanting to make something doesn't mean that it deserves to be made it's yes. kind, and, it's kind and, of what, and i would definitely kind of not say saying. art i would say film i would say look if you're a, a writer if you're a poet if you're a painter go paint a million things my wife sure. painted this dog that's on the wall over here <laughs> she our, loves that painting it's lovely. yeah i look at our, every show our dog emily but yeah but so, but and the, if but nobody is, cares is, about it it doesn't bother it doesn't me matter. because she right. Because she didn't, she just. But when you're saying like, I need to make a three hundred thousand dollar project or something, and you guys need to help me make it because it needs to be made, and then people are like, like, like if it needs to be made, you should be able to 
find the money to make it. Uh, right. So, I don't know that I completely agree with that. So here, here's here's the counterpoint because I I actually do agree, but I think that you're ignoring a big part of the nature of how people like to support one another. Yeah. I think that like Mary Kate's lucky because she has built a fan base, right? And that they were so happy to be a part of making the show with her. Right. Because right. they're, they, she has like people saying like, Hey, I want to see you in more stuff. But yes. that, and yeah. so she, there's like, actually that, is like a business need for what yeah, she's making. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they're happily, gladly giving them money. There's no, there's nothing unclear about the, uh, relationship or the transaction that's a, transpiring between them. And I would argue that that is true for the friends and family Kickstarter size as well, mm-hmm. right? So Squaresville did not have any fans, right? We had like a couple, yeah. right? God bless them, right? <laughs> but it was really just, I, I would say 90%, 95, 99% of, of those dollars you could trace back to someone, right? Whether it was a f- friend mm-hmm. of the cast or something like that. And they were all genuinely happy to do it because they were supporting Mary-Kate or Kylie or me or whomever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that what you run into, the problematic area is where you're overreaching, where you're saying, hey, I need $300,000 to make Mm -hmm. my feature film, but also grandma and grandpa are going to pay for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And maybe grandma and grandpa are sitting on a cool 6K and they are okay with giving that to you. Maybe don't give that to Kickstarter as well. Mm-hmm. Though. Yeah. Don't don't slice up your ten percent. But I think, look, I straight up owe my career to Kickstarter. Squaresville yeah. would not have happened without it, and that was the beginning of everything for me. So it's hard to, and I don't feel bad about the deal that we struck with the people that paid for the show. Yeah, yeah. When so when I did my first feature, we raised it was. It ended up being 700 grand and we, so we had a business proposal and everything, you know, you put in money and we're going to sell it and you'll make your money back. And when my family, I think my family put in probably all together, maybe like $35,000 or something, which is a lot. But like a lot of the people in my family were like, yeah, this is me just like investing in your career. I don't expect to make it back. Hmm. And that like really, really bothered me. And I was like, mom, stop saying like that you just, you know, first I'm of all, planning like, on making it back. Yeah, it's a thousand dollars, mom. You're the yeah. smallest donor for starters. Yeah. <laughs> um, but second of all, like you're gonna get it back. Like that's the whole thing. You're not. I'm not saying like give it to me because I'm your son. I mean, I'm saying you'll trust me because I'm your son and you know me, mm-hmm. and other people don't. But I'm. You're giving me this money because we're gonna start this business together and we're gonna sell it and people are gonna like it. And here's like why. And then you'll get your money back. And so I wanted people to believe that like what I was making was something that the world wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did they get their money back? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. not quite. Yeah, but, I, but um, I, I think you can still say, like, Mary-Kate's mom really wanted Squaresville to happen, right? <laughs> and it's it's okay for that to be the the scope of the project. I mean, I, I didn't really come on board with Shipwrecked until we started kickstarting because that's what I felt like I had to offer was Kickstarter knowledge, but they tried to pitch it for a year. They went around and, and shipwrecked comedy is not huge and nobody bit, you know, but we felt like we had a very funny, very clever idea that we knew that our fan base would like, Mm -hmm. but we couldn't really get the attention of anybody with any money. And so that is why we decided to get started. It wasn't that we didn't try to do the other thing. Right. And like through that, we proved ourselves right that people did want to see it and 
gave us above and beyond what we even were expecting or asking for. Yeah. So I don't know. It's tricky with like smaller, more indie creators because it can sometimes be hard to get that or I, we don't know how to do it. I don't know, you know, right. finding that money. I mean, just listening to myself talk about this, I do think that like what I'm talking about is kind of like the old way of yeah. doing things. And there is something about like nowadays they say no one is really willing to pay for content, right? Like everyone's yeah. like sharing their Netflix password. Like, yeah. oh, Hulu, you got to pay 10 bucks. Like, like cable, I'm not paying for cable. Like there's this whole idea that content should be free. But on the flip side, there's this idea that you can use Twitter to like sure. chip in for Kim, you know, Zach Braff's movie or whatever, like that, that we're all connected now. And so instead of huge corporations paying for the stuff, like we can all pay for the stuff, right? Like the Bernie Sanders, like grassroots yeah. movement. Sure. Like, and so I do think maybe I'm a little bit stuck in the past on this, but I guess I'm thinking when I think about it for me personally and like my next step in my career, it's like, I need to convince people in Hollywood that I have something that people will pay a lot of money for. And so maybe sure. that's just like my mindset. Well, we don't want to continue, you know, crowdfunding forever. It's like you want to get to the point where somebody goes, oh, that's great. Here, have, have this amount of money to make something else. But I don't know. But it's there and it's something that people want to do. I mean, our fan base grew exponentially during our Kickstarter and people genuinely seemed to enjoy it, which we were kind of baffled by. Yeah, I, I think the only problem is if you don't execute. Yeah, sure. Right? Yes, like if yes. you And again, you guys kinda executed on that first video and you put money your own sure, money up. Sure. And I think it's it's different than what I'm complaining about. Anyhow, that's enough of me being negative about Kickstarter. We asked <laughs> you a question like twenty minutes ago and we really want to know the answer. Yes. Which sorry. is I'm going to give you a few parts to this question because I suspect the answer might be long. One is, did you talk to multiple directors when you were hiring for your show? And two, what were you looking for in a director when you spoke to them as an actor and as a producer? And three, why did you choose the person you chose? And and let's separate actor versus producer. Let's take two different sides of your brain. Great question. I hope I will have an okay answer. Honestly, for the most part, I was thinking more as a producer Although I think on a certain level, I am an actor and have been an actor for far longer. So that's just in my brain about the way I think about directors. But at the same time, as an actor, you're also a storyteller. So that like ties into like the bigger picture. I don't know. I could go around in circles on this. We did. We interviewed a few people. We didn't have a ton of options that we knew about that like were readily available that felt like we just didn't have a huge pool to draw from by the way i kind of feel like our this is what our whole show is about is that there's people there's this huge space for directors you know to work with like really talented people that are really have done a lot of things in hollywood and there's just like a lot of work. I guess. Yeah. Like sure. What you're describing right now, like, I, like half no, our listeners are like, I'll be mad. All of them are like, what? I would love to do. I don't mean. I guess I didn't uh, explain that well. But I've worked, no, 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 no. But, but it's no, a good no, thing. No, we're saying exactly like, right. Sure, like there's sure. so many of these things out there. Sure. And sure. Like part of our podcast about encouraging young directors to not listen to their parents when their parents are like, sure. oh, it's so yes. hard to get into the entertainment yes. business. Yes. And there say is like, hey, there is a ton of work out there. Yes, there is definitely directors. opportunity. And, but that you're looking, there's a specific profile you're yes. looking for. Yes, definitely. Right? So talk to us maybe a little bit about that. Um, well, we wanted to work with somebody that we knew on some level. We didn't like put out a, 
you know, a, a call or anything on a website asking for new people. Because, I don't know, I've done a fair amount of work and we're all young filmmakers and this, we run in these circles with filmmakers and we just felt like that was worth having just a sort of personal relationship. That said, I had thought about a bunch of different directors that I've worked with and I either knew that they were busy working on other things or they... Or I didn't think that their sensibility was quite right for what we were doing because it is very specific. It's very silly. Anyway, so we just had a few people that we talked to. We had been very interested in having a female director, but again, we didn't. Um, and we did talk to one and we really liked her. But at the end of the day, we wanted the person that felt like the best fit. And that person was Joe. And with Joe, Honestly, a huge thing was just his confidence. He read the script and we just sat down and he was like, yeah, so, so where do we go? Like, what, where do we start? <laughs> Can and I ask you all the decision makers of who the, yes. we're going to hire? Were, what were the genders of those people? Three female and one male. Okay. The male is my boyfriend, Sean, the writer, co-writer of the show. Sean and Sinead wrote the show together. They started Shipwrecked. Myself and Sarah have come on as producers for this project, and we're all in it as well. So we're I all actors. I just hear pretty often, you know, I mean, obviously it's like all anyone's talking about in town is like diversity yes. this year, but yes. I, I hear the thing, so I directed that thing with Anna Connor yeah. that mm-hmm. Melissa Hunter worked on too. Mm-hmm. And oh, it, she worked on it too? She was one of the, in the writer's room. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize that. Breaking the stories and stuff. Oh, cool. And she was in the pilot that Anna directed. And it, they were very consciously looking for a director, a female director, and they couldn't, I don't know, they they, they kind of had came to the same conclusion that you did. That yeah. They, they were just, they couldn't I mean, find one that yeah. they liked, that they thought was well, right. We did, again, we did meet with one. We did really like her and we super considered her. But at the end of the day, like Joe just felt like the right person. He had done a feature previously. We wanted someone who had directed a feature or something of that um, size. Something sizable. Yes. We didn't want anybody who had only done a few shorts or whatever. Because because you're cross-boarding. You're shooting the whole thing in one big go. Yes. And it's a big shoot. It's a big bite. Yeah. It's like 20 characters. You know, it's not a little thing. So he had previously done a feature called Bear With Us that we just saw the trailer for and the tone just felt spot on in terms of like, it's just a lot of shots of people screaming and it's funny, you know. Yeah. So we sat down with him and we had sat down with another person who's who had some great ideas but also just wanted to change too much of just wasn't quite on board with the script which I don't blame him for like the script is weird it's a bunch of people who are not alive at the same time in a room together it's a fantasy like it is not <laughs> you can't get so, all historically accurate on it but so but I think that's a pretty common reason to not hire a director is because like you sure. don't like their take. Sure. Right? And he and he wanted to change a lot. And he wanted to just... And again, his ideas weren't bad. And we liked some of them. But it didn't feel ultimately like our vision. So so in addition to the confidence that Joe brought to the table... Yes. Did he have a take that you liked? Or was it, there... You know? I, it was more just about him like automatically being like, yeah, 
this is funny. I think this is funny. Yeah. Just, yeah, just automatically off the bat was like, this feels good. And we were like, so like uh, the, like, you know, the weird stuff in the script. He's like, it's great. I love it. You know, he didn't, he didn't sort of bat an eye at it, which that's when we were like, okay, this feels like we're very much on the same page. So that sounds like a lot of intangibles, right? Yeah. But, but I think ultimately it boils down to a couple things really, right? Like, Coming in prepared and confident, for yes, sure. Yes, yeah. Having done the job before. Yes, yes. And then reading the room. Yes. Right? Like, that's the other thing that maybe you're not mentioning. Also, he had read the script, which not everyone <laughs> had completely done. Sure. Which is a funny thing. I feel like people bluff all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and we just, again, we just, like, clicked with him as a person, which I know that's, like, so cliche, but it's true. No, if it's, you're going to be with a person. Them, spend so much time with him. And... Now, having actually worked with him, because again, I didn't know him at all. (laughs) We what a mistake! No, he's he's wonderful. He's truly one of the best directors I've ever worked with. And again, I would just say the biggest thing is like his confidence, and it's not a false thing. He's very good at sort of just running a set and being forceful and knowing what he wants, but having a good time and like not letting anything kind of you know, bother him too much and just being really cool about everything and, and letting us actors play. He's been very, he's been very kind in letting us as shipwrecked be a part of everything. And he would ask us to come over and look at the monitor and be like, all right, like you, is, are you okay with this? Is this good? Which again, like not everyone has to do. And we would respect him even if he didn't, but it's really nice that he's sort of allowed us to make sure that our vision, you know, lined up with his vision. Did you guys ever disagree creatively on anything? Not really. Not like nothing huge. It's kind of interesting, like as a a lot of what you're saying is like super interesting, I think, at at least for a director that's like trying to get a job, because like when you go in for a meeting, you basically have to decide if you're going to say, A, like this seems really hard. That's actually when I was pitching myself on Miss Earth. I was like, I don't know, guys, I don't think we can shoot all this. Sure. And Anna was like, "Uh, okay, then why do you want to do this? (laughs) Because we're shooting Mm. it, which, I, you know, I think was like a mistake on my part to say that. But also... So you can either go in and do that or you can go in and say, hey, I love it. Let's do it right now. And I think I think the latter will probably put you set you up a little bit better. That's not to say that he didn't like there were times when he was like and we cut down the script a lot because it was an ambitious shoot, like without question. And he would be like, this is a lot like you guys. You guys need to figure this out. You guys have to. There was like a location that we couldn't figure out what to do. And he was very much like, this is your problem and you need to you need to figure out how to do it. He wasn't just like, yeah, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like when he needed to put his foot down about making sure things got done so that the whole show got shot, he definitely did that and would offer up advice or suggestions uh, if we wanted them. And you also like, you know, you have to mean it, right? Like whenever yeah. you're interviewing, I feel like there's been a handful of times where the money was really good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been like, I I love this. <laughs> oh, I'm really bad at that. And you, yeah, like you just realize that this is a stupid plan, right? Like people see through it. So like walking in, being genuine mm-hmm. with your execution, with your confidence, with all of that stuff. You can't bluff your way through anything, basically. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, there's this, there's a real thing to a good fit, you know? Like mm-hmm. if you don't like the material and you go in and you pitch yourself, whether yeah. you're bluffing or whether you're telling them what you would change, yeah. unless it's Project Greenlight <laughs> this past year, 
then they probably won't hire you. Yeah. Right? Because you're not a good yeah. fit. Unless you're making a TV show where you're going to be the most dramatic person. Right. You're not getting hired. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I don't know if my answers are very good. I feel like ours was a special case and that it just was a very much like right time, right place thing that we found him. And it was clearly like the right fit for us. And I don't doubt that at all. I think your answer is like, just sorry, just to repeat Matt real quick, what we can extrapolate from it's like a confidence, like is the number one thing like you want to you're helming this whole project. Yes. If you don't feel like you can do it, then we're not going to hire you. Yeah. Number two, like you're coming in to work with a team who's already thought a lot about this material, like mm-hmm. respect them and mm-hmm. tell them what you like about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And number three, like it's nice if you've done something similar in the past. Right. Yeah, it really is. And it's not like you have to always do the same things, but I don't know. It, and it isn't. It isn't the same thing. But there was clearly like we could see in his work what we wanted to come across in our work, which is right. cool. Which is maybe the most frustrating part, I think, for young directors. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of out of your hands. Yeah, you're like, well, not well, well, no, it's, you have not to go if you go, a, you go make your own right, stuff. Right, exactly. Go yeah. kickstart yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So coming back to Kickstarter, we have we asked our friend Ben Caro to join us. Hey, guys. Hey Ben. Welcome. So Ben is uh, Ben. You've been so quiet this entire conversation. She's <laughs> been uh, hidden in the walls. <laughs> Try yeah. not to make a noise. Ben's mic was off until now. Um, <laughs> but Ben is an editor and a director. He works with Sawhorse. We've had a lot of guests that work there, Blake yeah. and Nick and Gino. And I think you edited, I was looking up today, you edited like that Panasonic spot I did a while <laughs> yeah, ago, yeah. which did ended up being a nightmare. Oh no, you, you directed that. Yeah, yeah. So. Ben, you also have a Kickstarter going on right now. You want to give us the real quick elevator pitch of what your project is? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. My short film on Kickstarter is called Cathedrals, uh, a short film to help the blind. And it's an adaptation of a, a Raven Carver story, Cathedral. But we've cast a blind actor to play the lead. And we're also using this as an opportunity to raise money for organizations that, that help the blind and empower them. Cool, and you're kickstarting right now. We can check out a little bit of that video so right here. To you. We're not, in the end, out to make money. We're out to make a change in the world for the better. This can serve as a ripple effect that just because they have a disability, that doesn't define who they are. If you support this film, you're supporting something that will help improve relations between people and society. I want to make something that's going to benefit the world and I hope you can join me on that journey. I hope you support us. Um, thank you for your time. It's interesting because I've, I've wanted to do this film for a while because I have some pretty cool ideas for, for sound design that is super interesting to me at the time. But once I got into the casting and finding the right person to play the blind character. Who is I, a blind guy? Who is a blind guy? I, for real, I, like a blind actor. He's, he's really blind. He's a blind actor. He's been blind since age five. I started realizing that what I thought was that the the most interesting aspects of the movie um, not was not the interesting aspects of the movie. Hmm. Yeah, because you can dive in pretty deep into like a person that can't see, like emotionally, right? Yeah, more than just like. Hey, we're gonna have like blurry. Yeah, we're gonna blurry visuals. visuals yeah, or... yeah. The sound is gonna be cool. I'm gonna pan all over yeah. the place. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's so fa- fascinating. And I think maybe the thing that I admire the most about any Kickstarter campaign, but I think yours in particular, is like getting the ball rolling a little bit, so you can show people, hey, this is what the movie's really gonna be. You know, right? Like you've got a cast put together. 
you know, you've got great source material, you pulled great concept artwork or, or even like clips from different movies, like a tone reel, basically. Right. And then also combined it with this cause that I think is really close to the film's subject matter. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wanted to do a video that was because I'd seen friends. I've had friends that have done Kickstarter videos and, you know, they've made it a very big production and made a short film out of the video and it's it can you know very artistic but I, I think I wanted to really sit there and talk directly to the audience and you know have them meet me get behind what I what I was excited about and include those other sources that I'm not sure are completely I'm not sure that's the best idea to just include clips of other things in your Kickstarter video but uh I think it got the point across and um I'm just hoping nobody from Blue Valentine context. <laughs> well, I so, hope you're okay. So I think this is an interesting thing to debate, right? Because so Mary-Kate, we were talking about her, they pretty much, uh, all the whole team behind that show put in a bunch of money to shoot. I mean, maybe not a bunch of money, but they put in some money to hire a DP. A, a real amount of money. Yeah. Enough money. Money that, that was like... They wrote yes. a script. Yeah. I would yeah. like, I would love to have that money back. Um, yes. And they shot basically a scene... So what's interesting about what you did is that you shot like a scene that is the people talking to the audience. It's like people it's talking to the, the characters, the characters talking to the audience and asking them, telling them what the project is about, giving a sense of the tone and the feeling and then explaining to them a little bit where the money is going to go. Right. Yeah, sort of. Did you did you do Ravens. that too, Ben? Um, you know, I just skipped the money part because there were mm. there was so much I wanted to talk about and so little time. Wait, you didn't talk about money in your Kickstarter video? Maybe that was that's. A, I'll go back. <laughs> I'll, I'll re-edit it and I'll be back here in five minutes. Well, I, I do think it's worthwhile to say specifically what you need money for because mm-hmm. oftentimes you are unlocking an audience that doesn't know how much things cost. Mm-hmm. You know. But you can always do that with a graphic. I mm-hmm. love I right. I love like a hey filmmaking is really expensive. Check out below, mm-hmm. and I'm pointing down like I'm hosting the video right now, guys. Just so mm-hmm. you know, it just he is pointing. Down I'm pointing right down, now. and I'm not lying. Um, but like, here's how it breaks down. This is how much things cost, and this is where we're going to spend our money. I think transparency, I think, is um, an explanation is pretty valuable in Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a that's a great tip for uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> your audience, but and not too late for you. So for me, yeah, you Thanks, can still guys. do that. Can yeah. you yeah. edit your video once you put it on Kickstarter? Yeah, you can re-upload. You can. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I actually took out a chunk of the, the main video because I noticed uh, people were watching about halfway through. Oh, can you see when people are you clicking can, out like YouTube? Well, actually, no, that, I said that I said that incorrectly. I, I noticed that about half the people were watching all the way through. So okay. I thought I would change that up. And what you can also do is embed videos in, the, in your story, in the mm-hmm. description. So right. I took out chunks about Evan producing the hammer and things like that, stuff that wasn't directly pertinent to working with blind people mm-hmm. and stuck that into. Oh, yeah, it's probably worth noting the person that produced the movie I directed is producing this too, Evan Kostbar, right, yeah. who we've had on the podcast oh. before. Right. And, and, you know, my movie starred a deaf guy. And I also was like, oh, deaf people, like their doorbells are flashing lights instead of chimes. You know, how cool is that? Let's like make a movie about that. Mm. And it very soon turned into something a little deeper than that, mm. you know, which is like what it's like to try to find a way to communicate with the world that communicates through speech, you know? Yeah. You know, what really inspired me when, I I mean, as we were looking for this actor, I contacted uh, a guy who runs a 
a theater company in Santa Monica called Theater by the Blind. And I said, do you have anybody for the part? And he said, I might, but does it pay? Because all of my actors are, are living below the poverty line. Most of them are. And that's when I started realizing that it was it's very hard for a blind person to be employed. Not a lot of companies want to hire blind people. They think it's gonna not they're not going to be an asset. And also in Hollywood and also in the arts, people are not going to want to cast a blind person when they can find a, a nice right, name Jamie actor Fox. to do so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand. You know, we all know that that you need stars attached, but there's something that is lost. And I think, you know. Russell Harvard, who who starred in Evan's movie, Oren's movie, The Hammer, um, the deaf actor he was he's referring to, somebody did an interview with him, asked him if if a a person who could hear played him in a biopic of his life, how he would feel about that, and he couldn't even answer it because <laughs> it just you know that's not who he was, mm-hmm. and I think there's something very important for whether. Uh, deaf person a blind person or any person with a disability or diversity uh to see themselves represented on screen in these mediums to say that like let's say you're going blind and and you see a blind person up there who's a lead in a film you know that you can still achieve your dreams and you can still be a a working person and this kind of exposure is really helpful so anyway as i'm as i'm making this movie as i'm putting it together i started realizing how that's the interesting part about movies like this and sort of writing about that for for disability blogs and organizations and i i do think it can make a difference you know how modern family they mm-hmm. had that the the gay couple and the widespread acceptance of of that show and its popularity kind of coincided with the the sea change mm-hmm. um with marriage equality and there's some studies, well, not studies, but people do think that that actually did do something to help yeah. people. I Just, mean, wasn't Will and Grace, wasn't Will gay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's been gay characters, mm-hmm. but I guess gay probably, probably like 50-year-old like sure, sure. men in the Midwest yeah, weren't yeah. watching Will and Grace, Yeah, but they're watching Modern Family. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think a thing that you make a point of in the Kickstarter video that I think is so powerful to me is the nature of like not uh, making the film for money in a Hollywood sense. Mm. You know, like once the film is funded via Kickstarter, that's all you need. You don't have to answer to anyone else. And so you're making these decisions based off of what's the artistic decision or the right thing to do or the thing that's best for representation. And I think that's a really beautiful aspect of Kickstarter, right? Like, you know, so often we're like, oh, I want to make this thing and, you know, we're going to kickstart it and it's going to launch my career and all that stuff is great. And I am a person who did that. But I think there's something awesome about giving yourself permission to just make the movie you want to make as well. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's definitely the case for all independent film. And I, I think- just wanted to sell out immediately. <laughs> yeah. I'm also big into selling out. Um, so Mary Kate was ta- talking to us about perks. Um, <laughs> perks, yeah, how expensive perks. they are to fulfill. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about that? Yeah, uh, you know, it's definitely something you ought to think about when you make the perks and to try to keep everything in the digital space or the um, flat mail by letter space. <laughs> right. uh, I think um, I I 
Yeah, I did t-shirts. <laughs> it was like I, it was pretty early in Kickstarter. It was. Yeah. Wait, Mary Kate, what's your biggest perk? Like the biggest donor gets the biggest donor gets executive producer credit. Yeah. Um, our biggest perk was coming to set. Oh, cool! Did and anyone did, do it? Yes, we had. Um, were they super weird? <laughs> no, they were all wonderful and perfect. No, it was your dad. Yeah. We had four set visitors oh, and wow. one that could not attend because she lives in Australia but still gave us $2,000. That's nice. Wait, so do you think giving someone a credit, like an EP credit, people care about that? Like non film people care about that? Our executive producers did. Were they like, yeah, I'm an executive producer? I mean, producer. they also know us and love us and want to support us and have the means to do that so i mean with something like that it's like if they're going to be giving many thousands of dollars it's got to be i don't know you know yeah. what i mean There's i mean it only makes sense to it. give them that credit. Mm-hmm. do you think they would have done it if there wasn't any b credit involved or are they doing it for no they're not doing yeah. it for the credit but it would be rude of us to not yeah yeah you know what i mean are you selling credits as well is that the wrong way to say it? I don't know. No, I'm selling credits, right? I mean, I have a associate producer credit and an AP credit. How much can I get an AP credit for? You can get that for the low rate of fifteen hundred. That's, that's not bad for. That's well, it's not bad for <laughs> an associate producer. Not not to be. A no, no, I'm sorry. That was a. That's an executive oh, EP. producer. Oh, how yeah. much oh, is the EP? AP? Okay. Yeah, the uh, two fifty for associate oh, yeah. producer. Hey, you know what? An associate producer does. <laughs> I will say this: not to be a jerk, Ben, but. I think an EP credit makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. I don't love making incentives uh, or sorry, perks, credits, incentives, basically, if they're not an executive producer, that is liter- literally the job sometimes. It's right. just like, hey, give us money. An AP or an associate producer, you have associate producers who are working on your film. Do you know what I mean? So there's a li- there's a thing about it that kind of bothers me about we actually, yeah. I mean, we have we have several producers. We have no right. associate producers. Ben actually fired working. all the associate oh, yeah. producers. Yeah. 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 We have to clear you out for the Kickstarter associate <laughs> producers. But but we you bumped them up really. Did you did you think about that at all? Is that a thing that you guys talked about with, uh, with your yeah, team? I, yeah, I talked about it with you know we had some producers and my girlfriend was working as a, an associate producer. She's been, you know she's producing the thing yeah, with yeah. everybody else, and on researching I. It seemed as it, if most it, short films it, were doing it's around the $200 yeah, yeah. range. And I understand. And that's actually why I thought that anybody who's working on the film, who's yeah, actually yeah. putting their heart and soul and time, you know, you, they should get a producing credit. Sure. And, you know, an AP credit, it's a... Um, so you did delineate, though. You were like, okay, yeah, yeah. everyone's a producer unless... If there, yeah. If you are interested in having your name out there, mm-hmm. you know, producing, and you want to be attached on INDB to, to projects that you think are interesting and in your in your wheelhouse, it's not a bad way to throw 250 down sure. and be up there. Yeah. And I had a lot part of, of the journey too in high school. That's how I got a semester ahead <laughs> of college. Sure. <laughs> um, ben, you're in the throes of it right now. Like, you're like... Halfway through. Halfway through. Yeah. When is your... It's going to be ends? Uh, ending Friday, September 9th at 9 p.m. Oh, you guys, nice. So, so get you in there, get guys. to set the end date or yeah. the length of the campaign? And the time, yes. I think. Yeah. yeah. And how do, you, how do you figure that out? I wanted it to end on a Sunday. <laughs> I just, because we did live streams every Sunday, and Sunday felt like a good day. Oh, so Because like you could you had, involve. Like, yep, yeah. we had a countdown, and we had, like, a whole thing. You could you involve did live streams the for the campaign. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Have you done that? Or have you thought of that? Or? Yeah, I've done a couple of live streams on Facebook by myself. You know, mm-hmm. I did one yesterday. And actually, I think I got um, three people donated because of it. Oh, really? I think so, that's super smart. That's yeah. Cool. We yeah. had a huge bump on live stream days. Yeah. There was like thousands of dollars bump. Yeah, because then you're joining the party, right? Yep. That's right. Yeah. People are interested in what is going on. Yep. And yeah. then... You know, you get momentum. You should set up people with like phones behind you. How did you you live stream? We did it on our YouTube channel. There's more of us. There's four of us. And we would bring in our cast and uh, like other guests if we could. Um, we would play games. We do it for four hours every Sunday. Did you give away tote bags? That's kind Didn't of how I away. felt, you know, like raising <laughs> NPR. You know what we would do? This drives. feels so gimmicky, but it, people loved it. If people pledged a new pledge or added to their pledge by any amount we wrote their name on a piece of paper and we put it on the wall behind us yeah and it worked yeah yeah and people loved it and we did something different every time originally we just did it because we did one on valentine's day and we were like oh cute we can like make valentine's and it worked so well but then the next ones we were like okay what can we do today and and so did you find people were re-upping yes yeah that's cool ben was just taking his clothes off yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or you can do that. I took a shot every time somebody. <laughs> don't, no, there's ben, no I'm, I'm going to admit I'm upset that my name isn't on the on the wall now. <laughs> yeah. Donated. I don't know what the deal is. So, I thought the message was pretty clear. Uh, but no, no. But uh, for those of you who haven't kickstarted, it's a it's a full time job. It's yes. like really it's hard work. So yes. so kudos to both of you guys. Ben, as a person who's in the middle of it right now, is there anything else in addition to, to live streaming? Is there anything you would want to tell people who are thinking about kickstarting? Yeah. Um, you know, you just said it's a full-time job, but what's interesting is that it's really a full-time job before you, you launch. Mm-hmm. It's sure. three months yeah. prior or, mm-hmm. or whatnot, because, you know, I, I feel like as if I'm, I tried to lock in a bunch of support beforehand. Mm-hmm. You know, you make the Facebook page and I, and I, teamed up with these organizations that help the blind for them to post on their pages. Mm-hmm. As soon as you press launch, you feel like you're just uh, waiting to be picked for the kickball team. And like, you're struggling to <laughs> sure. like work out and make your muscles look big. And I'm like, man, I should have been doing bench presses this whole time. Sure, sure. So I think the best strategy, and you see this a lot in the tech and tech, but not quite so often in film is getting people to sign up for an email list. Um, Facebook's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the algorithm, you, you can't quite guarantee that you're going to reach everybody at the same time. So that when you launch, it's a, there's a hard day and you don't put it off three times like I did. And an email goes out and it says, now, now is the time that you need to, to pledge. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's the first three days that, you know, your, your Kickstarter campaign is up on the recently launched. And that's a really good time to gain eyeballs that you wouldn't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. So that's a big tip that I would give. Yeah, that's great. What about you, MK? Yeah, uh, just do your work ahead of time and make sure it looks good. It's just worth putting the work in. I found that, I mean, it's different if you're doing a narrative thing as opposed to, you know, God knows what, but making a sort of just a full experience for them. Like we named our tiers dinner party things, just like sort of making it a whole package of like, okay, I want the after dinner mint or I want the like help us in the kitchen just sort of like creating that atmosphere around it I don't know it makes it kind of fun I guess and also the other big thing which was inspired by Matt and Lowe many a year ago 
is not that long ago. <laughs> you're right we're like very 45 young. years ago right? <laughs> 45 years yes is uh have incentives throughout the campaign you did that with squaresville like incentives that change um so so group incentives basically yeah. so once you hit a certain level they get something mm-hmm. yeah so regardless oh, cool. of whether like say i've got 25 bucks i'm in high school that's a lot of money for me i'm gonna throw that money in but when squaresville or po party reaches five thousand dollars you you guys did a great job of saying like oh okay well now you get to know a new cast member yeah we announced our cast as we went every five thousand yeah, dollars we and i mean it worked out well for us because we had a huge cast and we tried to be smart about spacing out like famous people versus like not so well-known people but just something to keep the momentum right, going like a heartbeat <laughs> yeah to it's keep like what you people see excited do they say it's like the, the quantity or like regularity is like more important than mm-hmm, mm-hmm. having one amazing thing right because mm-hmm. you time. you do you get to the middle and it really plateaus and you start to think like oh my god what have i done i'm gonna fail uh, what can i do to like get people to like is that why i feel know, like remember? this right now sorry i know this question is like seven years old or whenever quick kickstarter started but you don't get the money unless you raise you mm-hmm. reach your funding goal right and mm-hmm. what stops you from just putting in the rest of the money yourself on you, the day you can of yeah yeah, you, yeah i mean you have to do it through a different bank account but why for your name to not be on because it? i think probably everybody knows this if they're really if they've got you know twelve thousand of the fifteen thousand that they're raising it's like you call your mom up you say hey listen i'll pay you this money back immediately <laughs> put it in right and you do lose ten percent yeah mm-hmm. yeah but mm-hmm. you get that the rest of it plus With, you're taxed on the income that you make through Kickstarter. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, is that right? So, Wait, so you guys, yes. but, but you can set up an LLC. But there's a threshold for that though, right? Or no? Maybe. I'm not sure. $600 probably. No, yeah, there's got to be. Probably. No, I think that it's actually, there is a specific number, but it's not $600. Okay. So we're going to get one last tip from Ben. One last tip from Ben. And then we'll close out. So my campaign is trying to raise 16000 and so far we've raised 7000 with the, the help from you know my mom as well so you know big supporter big chunk of change came from her and and Mary Kay you you raised 75 7 yeah mm-hmm. and a big chunk of that came from Ben's mom also. yeah, yeah. she loves po party like, like so much more actually <laughs> yeah sorry about that yeah, like $8000 like. i didn't she did not uh, get a good Christmas gift from me, so uh, the wrong group on. Um, I was going to say that you know I think a great idea is to is to do a project with somebody. I think they found that Kickstarter with two or more people would raise mm-hmm. at least twice as much, if not you know a lot, mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. more. And it's and because the network grows; you have mm-hmm. more people working on it, mm-hmm. and a buddy. You have yeah. like a like You're a coworker. Each other out. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. just honestly like if you do it by yourself. Cheers to you. It's a lot of work, and it's sad and hard. A, and certainly, there's no way Squaresville would have raised yeah. the money that it needed. No way. But you kind of spearheaded it, and you recruited in your cast. Yeah, but. Uh, I think the the thing that we did with Squaresville that I think was really helpful is that every single cast member and also every single crew member, I had a conversation with them about what they needed and wanted from the show. You know, so like... Oh, right. You've talked about this Yeah, before. we talked about it. Like, Mary and Kate and I sat down. I was like, okay, well, like, you're a young actor. Like, you need 
footage. So it was, it was relatively easy with her, but like everyone needed something. And so whether making the show helped realize that, or it was a favor afterwards or something like that, you know, everyone was on board and like, again, I think because it was early on, people weren't quite so saturated with Kickstarter. Oh yeah. I, yeah, it was very like you, you had to explain what Kickstarter was to most of the people. But yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and final question for you, Mary Kate, how is Matt as a director? Any <laughs> criticisms? Just awful. No. Yeah, I am a monster. Yeah. We a do mo- hear that a he lot. makes me weep. No, he's great. That's a good director. Have I ever made you cry? No, of course not. You're I feel like I probably... I bet I, you've I never know. made any actor cry. No. I think I... I think like, I, unless it's a I feel like they would have to be a contentious actor, because yeah. you're pretty easygoing. I'm pretty, pretty mellow. I love so. working with Matt so much that we considered him for Pope Barney, because I think he's great. And I'm much better now, too. I didn't yeah. know what I was doing back then. But yeah, I would work with Matt any old day. Oh, Ooh, cool. Any old day. Well, good to know you. You're not too famous yet (laughs) for Matt. (laughs) Not at all. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. I think this is a lot of really great insight into what it is to kickstart and to have a successful Kickstarter. And I think there's like, our listeners should check out both Kickstarters. I mean, obviously, Edgar Allan Poe Party. (laughs) Edgar Allan Poe Party. (laughs) Edgar Allan Poe Party. (laughs) Yes. You should do a sequel that's Edgar Allan Poe Pool Party. (laughs) That would be for real. Edgar Allan Poe Party. Poe Party Party. (laughs) Is the campaign's over, but it's really worthwhile to check out the Kickstarter campaign because it's like kind of a perfect example of like how, you know, if you're doing a series, how to do that. And then I think Ben's is a really good example of like a little more of like an issue based Kickstarter which is cool, but still about film. So definitely check those out. Thanks. And so to close it out, we always do uh, unpaid endorsements where we talk about cool things that we are into this week. Unpaid endorsements. Cool. So for my unpaid endorsement this week, there's a new DJ Shadow video called Nobody Speak. Have you guys seen this video? Mm-mm. It's like basically a bunch of like old politicians in like kind of a war room. And they're uh, like debating back and forth on two sides of this giant kind of circular room, right? And they're speaking the rap as though they're speaking to each other. And then all hell breaks loose. And it's just super well shot, super stylized, and does a really great job of heightening a pretty clean and succinct idea into bigger and bigger beats. But before you know it, like one of the congressmen is like literally about to stat, like impale the other guy with the American flag. And it's just perfectly executed. So the video is called DJ Shadow featuring Run the Jewels. Nobody speak. It's great. Check it out. Oh, cool. So good, you guys. Cool. I guess I can go. I'm just going to list some random things I've sure. I've thought about this week. One is there's this guy named Nathan Barnett that's like a YouTuber that my friend works with. And he recommended him for some project. And I was like checking out his YouTube channel. And he made this pilot for Adult Swim called Youth Large um, that you can watch the whole thing online. It's with Kyle Mooney before oh, yeah. he was on SNL. And it's... um bunch of UCB people and it's just like one of the weirdest things I've ever seen it's a 22 minute pilot I love Kyle I think he's so funny yeah and they were like let's make a way weirder version of it's always sunny in Philadelphia and I think they definitely accomplished it and it ended up not being picked up but it's like insane just so weird like on YouTube people are like peeing their pants for no reason in half the scenes I mean but it's funny too and well written well acted it's not just like gross being gross yeah 
Look up youth large Nathan Barnett, B-A-R-N-A-T-T. He, you may have seen, he had a bunch of viral videos where he would do kind of like crazy rubbery, rubber yeah, body well, he dances. looks like this, like Trevor from Grand Theft Auto, and he like <laughs> plays him. He's like this homeless guy, pretty much drunk guy, and he goes and plays him. Yeah, he does prank videos. There's one where he has like a dead body that he's like trying to get rid of, you know, on the street. Anyway, he's pretty funny. Check him out. Another thing I've just kind of been thinking about is how like I haven't read a book in like over a year, I think. I think the last book I read was Understanding Comics that you recommended oh, on this okay. podcast. And I was listening to Slate's Political Gab Fest, which has actually turned into like my favorite podcast. That which was, was also, also recommended on this show to us by Eric Kissack. <laughs> if you guys are into politics at all, I wish it came out like every other day because like, yeah, so it only comes out right now. once yeah. a week. And I'm like, I want to know what they think about Hillary and Donald today. Mm, yeah. um, but uh, they recommended this book called Underground Airline, which is kind of about like the Underground Railroad if it happened today, you know, the slave thing. So I don't know. I was like, I should read the book, that book. And everyone's talking about the. I know that Steven Spielberg's making the movie of Ready Player One, mm-hmm. sure, that yeah. book, which I never I read. And I'm like, so good. I'm just going to read some books, which a year ago would not have been a big deal at all because I used to read books, but... Then you had a baby in a podcast. Yeah, but also just like my phone. I'm just like reading the news all the time. I never read either anymore. I was a literature major and I had to put it on my list to read a book this year. Right. How many articles have I uh, read this year? I don't even read articles. I just read headlines. I read the first paragraph. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I'm not paying for a New York Times subscription. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I read my three out of three this (laughs) this year. Yeah, headlines are good enough. Um, Anyway, so yeah, I'll let you know how the reading goes, (laughs) how the book thing goes trying to bring them back bring them back well if you this is something that you can use on your phone that that uh won't make you feel guilty it's a actually an exercise app called zombies run i think it was kickstarted when it first started it's a genius project of storytelling where it's basically a tv show that you only listen to when you're when you're jogging or running so it's a podcast you can call it a podcast. You can call it a game. You can call it's sort it, of like augmented reality, right? It's Is that similar. right or no? I think I've heard of this. It's kind of like Nike Run meets The Walking Dead. So it'll track your movements, track your speed, and also play you a story. So basically, the there's been five seasons so far, and each season has 23 episodes. And you can spend each episode, you know, it can be 20 minutes, it can be... 60 minutes it can be a mile it can be um, a marathon you can just uh, tailor it how you want to the story is basically you somehow survive a helicopter crash and you hear somebody in your ear like coming coming through like an intercom and he's like okay i don't know who you are but you seem to be good at running just there's a bunch of zombies where you're at right now run to our safe house it's this this township called abel township it takes place in the uk so everyone's british and adorable um (laughs) and basically every mission you're going out you know getting supplies meeting people Uh, there's a huge overarching storyline in the season one about you know like a a weird township that's kind of like a North Korea in the post-apocalyptic universe. I don't think I've ever run as hard as I've run listening to this. So so let me, does it change if like, say you're like, oh, I ran down and I'm too slow. Does it know that you're like falling that's, behind and you're going to get eaten by a zombie? That's actually where the game parts comes in because I think you can turn these off, but there's, if, if you have zombie chases enabled and... I think that's the best thing to do because I'm a, I'm a believer in like interval training, high intensity sprints and such. So every once in a while, 
it'll tell you that zombies are chasing you and they work it into the story and you have so many seconds to outrun them and if you don't outrun them you lose some of these supplies that you pick up along the way that you can use to build your base in the app so it's it's they've really thought this thing through to make it a huge universe so wait can i use it on a treadmill that's cool yeah you can use it on a treadmill you don't need to use it's not gps you, I mean, it's it's better with the GPS, but if you're somebody who wants to even... And how many people have just, like, run into a truck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, I, I have gotten very much for all of running, though, or... <laughs> <laughs> just pretending people yeah. you're walking are, are around are zombies. It's it's It can be dangerous. And you listen to, like, an action workout mix, sure. you're good to go. Yeah, so yeah. if you don't like running, but you need something... To motivate you to do so this is this is great it's called zombies run and i think it's free to download and you can pay for an extra subscription or something now that's awesome yeah, i love so cool. when people gamify something you don't want to do it's the way to do, do it yeah you know? what if like everyone had to like throw balls into like baskets and then they're you kept score and you're kind of working out while you're like running back and forth you have like two teams and i don't know it's a crazy idea yeah it doesn't sound yeah they should make an app for that that would make it a yeah. game i don't think that'll work at all um mk what do you got? Uh, I feel bad because, like, all my life is is Poe Party. Like, I'm not even... That's all I watch. I think that's it's Poe Party. think about. Uh, this is so hooey, but sure, why not? Uh, one thing that did come to mind is that I have become a big believer in vision boards this year. Mm-hmm. I always, like... I put vision boards on my vision board. Yeah? Didn't, didn't turn out. Oh, weird. Kind of try harder. No, I was very... I've, like, made them before in the past and just, like, slapdashed some, like, pictures from magazines on it. That's not the way you do it. I, like, looked it up, and I was very intentional about what I put on my vision board, and you put it where you can see it before you go to sleep and when you wake up in the morning. And let me tell you guys... It's working out. You've manifested. Uh, I have do? manifested is some it, things. Is so, it ten pictures of Poe Party? It's just Poe Party. No, no, no. No, that's a. I'm. I'm a big. I don't really practice it, but I. I also am a big believer in that it's, stuff. Kara does. My wife does vision boards, and yeah, she, they make it. They help her. I always thought it was like kind of silly, and I made it last year in November when I was in like one of the deepest, darkest places I've been in in the last few years, and. I mean, it, it is not the reason my life got better, but I don't know. Just the fact of like laying out the things that you want and going, okay, I intentionally want to focus on these things. You know what I mean? It's, it's good to like focus. How to do it correctly? Because you said there's mis- misconceptions. Yeah. Well, just, just being intentional about what you put on it. I put pictures, and, uh, pictures on it and words on it. I like wrote out things like meaningful friendships and new projects. And I even wrote like auditions and callbacks. And I have had a lot more auditions and callbacks this year again like who knows if that's really what it is but it can't hurt to like focus on that in your brain it's important to also say these are literally the things i want yes like what do i want right now yeah and then like put them in a place where you can see that it's not even i like i like stare at it for five minutes every night i don't but it's just like it's there and i also arranged it in a way that's like aesthetically pleasing for me and i like feel like it's a nice little corner of my room I just did it on the wall next to my bed because I have bunk beds and there's like this space in between. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to spread the vision board gospel. I feel like there's something to it. And, cool. and did you use like, is it, um, was it an artist way vision board or like, is there specific uh, like school a guide. of thought or guide to, no, to I just, which one? Or? I don't know. I just like looked up like how to do an artist. I like Googled like, how do I do a good vision board? And it just was like... 
you know, put it where you can see it, like focus on it and like be aware of it. And I just really tried to pick certain things as opposed to being like, oh, here's a picture of like a cool vacation. Yeah, right. I would love to go on vacation. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, there's a difference between like, oh, cool vacation and like, no, I want to go to Hawaii. I put San Francisco on it and my boyfriend's best friend is getting married in San Francisco and we're going yeah. this year, you know, like places I want to go this year, you know, and then like other things to represent different things like working, working with Sean or like having fun on set or like film festivals, you know what I mean? Just, or, or not just pictures too, like, like my badge from a film festival or like my ticket from my own movie at a film festival, little like mementos cool. and trinkets right. of like good yeah. times in my life that, yeah. that I want to. I have a whiteboard that I have like a checklist of like the different projects that I want to achieve every year. Mm -hmm. And just yesterday I kind of redid it so that I said, this is the thing that I'm working on right now. Cause mm -hmm. I think as a freelancer, you always have so many yeah. different things going at once, mm -hmm. but it, wouldn't it, isn't it nice to be like, what am I working on? Oh, right. That's the one. That, that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I was going to make that same point. I wonder if like a vision board is like more helpful for like a freelancer. Like sure. let's say you are an actor like you wake up in the morning and you don't have anything planned for the first half of the day. It doesn't hurt to just see like auditions, callbacks. Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, maybe I should like submit myself or yes. call that, return that email. Like, right. It if just you helps know, already know you. those are the big goals you yeah. have. But yeah. the thing about the whiteboard is like, I feel like there's a difference between a list of projects and then the vision board is a little more emotional, right? Like mm -hmm. here's a ticket from when mm -hmm. I was at this film festival and I felt really good. I want to feel mm -hmm. like that again. And what did I do? Mm -hmm. What do I, what's sure. something I can do today to make That's me feel like that again? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I have like the lists and they're just, they just kind of stress me out. Well, it's, the difference between a whiteboard though, and uh, a list, cause I love lists as well and I have them all over the place, but the whiteboard is still like up. It's kind of a, a maybe a hash, half measure between a vision board and a, and a list. Somewhere where you can like see it. You and see it and you still, it's that reminder of like passively saying, this is mm -hmm. this is explicitly what I want to be doing. This is what I'm focusing on. Because it's like, oh, you've got so many different projects or ideas or mm -hmm. things you want to develop. Like, what's my priority? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. this book that is kind of like a big, like known, I think, in the business world. My friend recommended it to me and she said, my dad read this book and got rich and he gave it to me and you should read it Whoa. what's it, the book the book is called <laughs> i'm not kidding it's called think and grow rich wow and it was written in like the 50s and it is basically the idea that if you tell yourself every day i'm gonna be successful and get rich it'll work i mean and it's like the, the same secret to happiness though at the end of the day, um, I mean, you know, I think he uses "rich" as the word to make sure, it. sure. Rich but like, giving always. yourself confidence works. Like, you have to, like, you sometimes have to fake your way to that sort of thing, but it does have an effect on your psyche after a while. Yeah, you just have to remind yourself that there's like a direction you should be mm -hmm, moving, mm -hmm. as opposed to waiting. Mm -hmm. um, well, cool. Very cool. Uh, uplifting end. Yeah. Oh, good. Look at that. Well, we manifested the end of the show. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Where can we find you guys? Well, you can find Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party at Shipwrecked Comedy on YouTube. So if you just search Shipwrecked Comedy, it'll come up or youtube.com slash shipwrecked comedy. Or you can find it from my Twitter because I'm that's all I talk about, which is MK Wiles, M-K-W-I-L-E-S. Great. And Ben, how can we find your Kickstarter and submit yeah. some cash that would be Some great cash. guys even five dollars helps um, you can find it the movie's called Cathedrals you can find it by googling Cathedrals a short film to help the blind best URL is bit.ly slash cathedrals movie 
And yeah, you can find it on Kickstarter, uh, Twitter. I'm on there at Vagrant Tourist. Great. Awesome. Well, uh, if you want to find out more about the show and you love to tweet, you can visit us at Just Shoot It Pod or uh, check out all of our show notes and the things that we endorse today on www.justshootitpod.com. That's on the World Wide Web, in case you were yeah, curious. Definitely don't need the www. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, HTTP colon <laughs> slash slash <laughs> www. Uh, and you can follow me at Mr. Matt Enlo. And I'm at Smitey Pileg. And thanks, Eric Krapow, for editing this episode. Krapow. Thank you, Eric. We've got new music today. This is the first time. Whoa. Potentially the second time. So the second time, I guess. Third time. It's the third time. Take it away. I can't remember the name of the artist, though. I'll figure it out. It'll be in the show notes. But yeah. thank you so much to the Free Music Archive for DJ providing Shadow. new music. Okay, we're back. Um, so, smacky? Because are you getting smacky? I'm always smacky. I heard it. Oh, I was like, I was like, yeah, you can pause. Eric's always like texting me, Matt's so smacky. Green apples. Mm. Hmm? Green apples. Is that what you're supposed to say? I did a voice. No, we stuck on them. I did a voiceover job and I was too smacky and they handed me green apples. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it turned out to be a a green apple ale. They were like (laughs) chopped up and they were like stuck on the That's funny. I hadn't thought about how you were specifically smacky, but having edited a bunch of your videos, that is true. You are. Yeah, I'm smacky. Oh, wow. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.